Today on Growing Through Grace. It's one thing to act like a servant. It's quite another to have the heart of one. Serve with a humble mind. Wherever you turn in the Bible, Paul was a humble guy, sold out to the Lord, a slave by choice, and he was an example to all men. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jacob Elam of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. It's one thing to act like a servant. It's another thing to be a servant or to have the heart of one. Now that's a quote from Pastor Jack from yesterday's study in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 21. We'll continue that study today as we glean from the counsel that Paul gives to the Ephesian elders. So let's listen in to the conclusion of this message. Here's Pastor Jack. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, he wrote to them in chapter 2 and he said, look, we've been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, and so because of that we speak, but we don't speak like men-pleasers. We rather just speak to God or or for the Lord who who tries our hearts. We just want to make God happy as we step out to serve. So, Paul's outlook every day, and he says it to these leadership men, was, look, you know my life, and my life is one of being a, I've chosen to be God's slave, if you will. I've chosen to be his servant. It's it's not going to be so easy to fall to the whims of men's or to the desires of men when your eyes are on the prize. I want to please the Lord. You can say to me, hey, you want to come do that? And I'll go, well, I don't think that'll please the Lord. If I have that in mind, I'm I'm in good shape, right? I'm his slave. I'm his servant. I belong to him. I serve the Lord, he said. I serve with all humility. It's one thing to act like a servant. It's quite another to have the heart of one. Paul says, I serve with a humble mind, right? Paul had great gifts. I mean, if you read the Bible, you come away saying, there's very few people that seem to have more insight and influence in the first generation in the first you know, century than Paul. He, he had a lot to go with and, and a lot to look to and a lot of fruit, but he lived a life of grace. He didn't and wasn't overcome with pride. He, he realized where his strength lie. And so he said to these men, you know that I serve with a humble heart. A humble heart. Paul wrote that he esteemed others better than himself. He, he wrote that you know, he looked for fruit so that the Lord could be glorified. He talked about the grace of God that kept him. He served every day like that. In fact, the Lord gave to Paul a thorn in the flesh because of the amount of revelation that God gave to Paul. And he said, I got this thorn in the flesh so that I, I wouldn't be you know, too high-minded about the things that God has given to me. Suffering was often the lot of the slave, and, and Paul suffered. But he was a humble man, and, and he served the Lord. He, he writes in 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 15, uh, I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
He said in 2 Corinthians, I'm not sufficient of myself to say anything about myself. But our sufficiency comes from God, who has made us sufficient to be his ministers. Wherever you turn in the Bible, Paul was a humble guy, sold out to the Lord, a slave by choice, and he was an example to all men. He goes on in verse 19 and he says, I serve uh, the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which happened to me as the, by the plotting of the Jews. Paul suffered a lot. Paul would write to Timothy years later, if you're going to live a godly life, you're going to suffer persecution. And he mentions to him two things, and he mentions it here as well. In within, there was a sorrow that led him to tears. From without were trials and persecutions. And both of them brought really a difficult, I think, a difficulty in Paul's life day to day. I served you with tears and with trials. I think it is hard to serve the Lord and watch people turn away from the Lord. I think the hardest thing for as a pastor, and I've been at this 40 years now, is, is seeing people shake their head in church, uh-huh, amen, and then not doing any of it. Or coming back six years later and go, man, I haven't seen you. Yeah, I haven't been doing very good. What do you want to do? I want to get back with the Lord. All right, here, let's do this. Okay. And they don't do it. And you feel like you're just spinning your wheels. You know, you go home and you go, what am I wasting my time for? That's how you feel. But what you really want to do is choke people because that's always the, the best way to communicate. There is something to be said for you know, re watching people refuse God's counsel when you just know it's the very thing that they need. And it, it's hard to watch people live with their bad choices. And it can discourage you. You know, you can, you can preach your eyeballs out and, and walk home saying, man, that was a great message the Lord gave me. That's yeah, going to change lives. Yeah, maybe one day, but not so much now. And you can get very discouraged. Paul found himself just constantly, you know... <laughs> having to face up to that. He pressed on clutching the promises of God. He, he, you know, there, there's that scripture in Psalm, I think, 126 that says, if you go forward and you, and you sow in tears, you'll reap with joy. I mean, there's a cost involved to ministry, isn't there? And he says to these men, not going to be an easy gig. I had a guy tell me one time, you pastors, you work on Sunday, what else do you do? I said, nothing, we go on vacation and play golf. What else do you do? I have no idea. There's, some, there, there's a heartbreaking, I think, realization that, that it's a difficult fight. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, not doing great as a church, out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I'm writing to you with many tears, not that so that you would be grieved with what I'm about to say, but that you might know that I abundantly love you. What a horrible thing to have to write to somebody, and he's got to really read them the riot act, but he wants them to know he's not mad. He just wants them to do better. And he says, this is killing me to write this to you. I don't know how to get this across to you, but, but I'm going to write. He, he writes to the Romans in chapter 9, I'll tell you the truth in Christ. He said, I'm not lying. My conscience will bear witness as does the Holy Spirit in my heart. I have great, uh, what do you say? I have great sorrow and I have continual Greek and grief in my heart. I wish that I could be cursed for my brethren's sake. I would, I would take judgment if they could be saved. That's, I'm not going to say that for anybody. I'm not giving up my salvation for you or anyone else. But Paul was willing to do that. He said, I, can't, I, I would do it in a minute. I, I'll take the curse for their sake. I can't stop 
weeping over the, over the Jews, the ones that he loved and wanted so much to reach. So there's a tough place in ministry, and I think if you're in ministry and your people let you down or you're disappointed, um, you know, it's part, of the, it's part of the ministry. Paul experienced it constantly. He, he'll say down in verse 31, I want you to watch and remember that for three years I didn't cease to warn every you, one of you night and day in tears. Emotional guy for being such a tough guy. But he certainly, um, he certainly paid the price, I think, in heart for, for being God's man on the scene. To, to be an overseer, I think your heart will break because people don't do very well. Remember the old Seinfeld? Well, I don't know if any of you guys watched Seinfeld. Um, but he'd always say this, people, they're the worst. Like the world would be great without people. Well, the church would be great without people. Or maybe they wouldn't exist. So you want to love people, you're going to hurt. you know. And in ministry, that's certainly the case. Um, yet the hope of God's words and the promises of his work should sustain us. There are very few things that are eternal. The God's word is eternal. The souls of men are eternal. The fruit of our labors are stored in heaven. And God knows. There's a great verse. It's in, um, where is it? Psalm, I guess it's Psalm 56 maybe. But it says that the Lord stores your, your tears in a bottle. In other words, nothing gets wasted. He, he watches and sees. He knows the price that you're paying for the ministry that, that he has given to you. And, and it, can, it can tear your heart out. Are they not written in my book? That's what it says. Or his sufferings and his tears. So Paul says, now you remember my example, my humility, and the heart that is breaking for the people that are hurting, as well as the trials that have come my way. Those are ex external, right? Trials come from without. He says in particular, by the plottings of the Jews. I mean, the Jewish religious leaders had made Paul's life a nightmare. Like I said, Luke doesn't tell the half of it in the book of Acts. You'll find much of it more in the epistles. But here in Ephesus, you could see it firsthand. Why was Paul so hated by the Jews? Well, he used to be one of them. He was like their, their main persecutor. And then he turned to Jesus. And he began to associate with the Gentiles. Then he began to say that they could be saved like everyone else needed to be saved. You'll read down in verse 21, uh, verse 22, and so I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will await me there, except uh, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city about the chains and the persecution that is awaiting for him. And then he said, it really doesn't matter, I've got to go. He was living in constant danger as he sought to, to take the gospel to men. He said in 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 15, right towards the end of the, of the chapter, um, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour because we're boasting about Jesus Christ every day? We're in trouble because of who we're talking about and who we're standing with. So he endured, he pressed on, he was faithful in every season. He calls on that example to say to these men, now, now it's your turn to run with the ball. Verse 20, he says, And how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you both publicly and from house to house. He was serving the Lord in verse 19. He is serving the church in verse 20. Paul gave to God's people everything he knew. I'll tell you what, the, the, the chief function of the, of the body gathering together 
in the Bible is that God's word might be taught and people might learn to walk in it. Because this is our advantage, God's word to us, right? These are the ways of life. This is what he stands behind. This is what he exalts even above his name. And, and notice that Paul says, I have kept back nothing. There's a, there's a Greek word, it's called, the word, the word is hupostello. The word hupostello means to withdraw food from a patient that can't eat it. Keeping it back. Like, you can't eat this, this is bad for you. Dr. Use, Dr. Luke, I should say, uses his medical dictionary here, and he says that Paul always set a table that was filled with every profitable thing. It wasn't just ice cream, it was vegetables as well. In fact, he will say down in verse 27, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Revelation with, with, with Leviticus. How often we know the, of churches that seem to avoid teaching all of the Bible. They don't want to offend anybody. They figure if they teach on things that are most important to the people, the, the seats will be full. But that's hardly a goal. The goal should be, can you and I come to know God in the way that he intended? And can we walk in the, in the blessings of knowing the Lord? Is that our interest? Some people preach a social gospel. Other people do selective Bible reading. Not Paul. He didn't hold back anything. Let the chips fall where they may. Before they could be his friends, he was going to be their teacher. And that's a big issue. Paul gave them everything. You know, when we did, uh, even what we're doing now on Wednesdays, as soon as we get done with the book of Acts, we're going to go back to, to Ruth and First and Second Samuel because we stopped at Judges, right? Our favorite book of the Bible, Judges, or it's now going to be our favorite book, Ruth. But when we went through Leviticus, it is usually a death blow to, to Bible studies. You go, oh, you teach Leviticus, no, what, no one's showing up? No, we were never as full as we were in Leviticus. It was the coolest book ever. Learned a lot. Because God's word brings life. You, can, you don't have to tailor it. It's God's word to life. Paul gave it all to them. Everything he knew. And this old, or this young, I should say, protege, Timothy, later on when, when he came here to pastor, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 to him, Timothy, until I get there, I want you to give all your attention to reading and to exhortation and to the doctrine of God's word. This is your job, Timothy, Pastor Timothy. Teach the Bible. Make sure that the people know it well. In, in 2 Timothy, the, the last letter Paul wrote to Timothy in this city before Paul was put to death for his faith, he said in chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out. With that word, convince and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Timothy, don't lose track of why you're there. Don't give up. People sometimes will say of us here, why do you guys have Bible studies all the time? And the answer is, because that's why the church exists. So that we might come to know God. And this isn't a place for topicals or pet peeves or, or personal concerns. We want you to know the Bible. We want you to know all of the Bible. Paul said uh, that, that the Lord had given us his word that it was profitable for, for everything that we do. It's the benefit of it. I'm glad that you're here on Wednesday. I know I'm singing to the choir. And I know that many of you are, are tired and you haven't gone home yet and, you know, you, you didn't eat or you, you hope I'll done in a, in a minute because you're going to go eat. But you come. You, you, you make the commitment. And that's, God will honor that always. And, and Paul found himself 
just convinced that that, that was the case. He was going to teach God's word. David wrote in Psalm 40, I've proclaimed the good news of his righteousness in the great assembly. Lord, I won't restrain my lips. I've not hidden your righteousness. I've declared it to those who will listen. I won't conceal your loving kindness. He just laid it out there for people to know. The word of God does not go out void. You might read Psalm 119. It's, it's, a, it's a big chapter, biggest one in the Bible, all about God's word, every verse about the scriptures. So he says, I've held nothing back. I've proclaimed it to you. And notice, I've, gone, I've done that in public meetings, and I've done that in small little groups from house to house. Paul had life service and lip service. How about that? For three months, he sat in the synagogue. He was welcome. Then they chased him out. For two years, he sat in Tyrannus' schoolroom that he, he rented, and he taught every day. Privately, he would teach in the homes. He would teach in the, in the pulpit. He was there. And, and I should just say this to you. He did all of this while working a full-time job because Paul was a tent maker all the years that he spent in Ephesus. He mentions that in several places. So he went to work every day making tents, still had time to do these daily Bible studies and minister to the people. He, he was an example of a hard-working, constant ministry, you know, whole counsel of God guy. And, and, and he says in verse 18, you know this is the way that I live. So he ends in verse 21 by saying this, I was testifying to the Jews, I was testifying to the Greeks, I was calling them to repent towards God and have faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. There's his message, right? Repent towards God and have faith in Jesus as being the Lord. Paul had this evangelistic heart and this constant desire to reach everyone. I mean, if you read through the scriptures, the things that they say about Paul, Paul didn't matter what color you were, what ethnic background you came from, what your job restriction was, or, or what the city limits were, how far they were away. If he could get in, he'd, he's coming. He's coming to share. His, his mission field was broad. Didn't matter Jew or Greek to him. They all got the same message. Everyone got to hear the same thing. Everyone got to hear the same thing. So his message was simple. And notice it only has two points. Repent towards God, have faith in Jesus. The word repent is the Greek word metanoia. It means, just means to turn around. Like if this is me, this is metanoia. Hey, nice map. So when it comes to relationship with God, the call of the gospel is that you have to change your understanding and your commitment in regards to God. You have to change your direction. You have to walk where he walks, go where he says to go. Change your opinion. Change your understanding. Change your mind about God. And I think most of the time people carry around a, an opinion about God that's not biblical. But once you meet the Lord of the Bible, then you have to change. He's not going to. The devil's real good at lying about God from the beginning. God's not fair. God's not loving. God's not kind. God doesn't love me. How come he blesses them and doesn't bless me? What about this? What about that? No, 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 you can lay all your opinions down and just go, all right, the Bible tells me what God is like. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to agree with God that I'm a sinner. I need judgment. He's provided for me. Oh, that's good to know. The first part's not good to know. You're a sinner. That's not good news. But if he saves you, it is good news. You've got to turn to the Lord with your intellect and your emotion and with your will. 
just like Peter and the boys did in the boat there in, in Luke 5. And, and second of all, you then have to turn to Jesus with your faith, right? You have to look to Jesus with your faith. He's the one who came to save. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who came to give his life for us. We, we read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writing to them that, that, that we, are, we are redeemed by his blood and then God redeems us or reconciles us to God through his son. So the, the door to God is open through his son and that's the way that we come. So Paul says this to these men and I don't know how many there were, elders. Church was huge though and it would be around 50 years from now when Jesus would write a letter to them in, in Revelation chapter 2. You can go read it there, the first seven verses. This church lasted a long time. Timothy would be the pastor. John the Apostle would be the pastor. Polycarp, the early church father, would be the pastor after that. You have a whole series of pastors, historically, that managed and, and pastored this church. But what Paul says to these men, the original, the OGs, the original guys, <laughs> I don't know. I want to meet with you one last time. He knew where he was headed. He knew trouble was waiting. He didn't know if he was going to live it or, or, or to survive it or not, whether he was going to come out alive. But these were his last words, his parting words, the things that mattered the most to him, figuring this would be the last time I ever see these guys. And he starts off by, by appealing to their relationship with him over these three years. You know how I've been since day one. You know how I behave when things get rough. You know how I behave when things aren't. You know that my whole interest is being God's slave by choice. That I serve him. I'm not proud of myself. I don't have a high view of myself. I realize it's the Lord's work. I'm not haughty. I'm not prideful. I'm just serving God. I'm trusting him. And the work breaks my heart because people don't do so well. And I'm faced with trials all the time. People are trying to kill me and wipe me out. I realize there's a price to be paid. But, but in the midst of all of that, I've given you everything I know. I've proclaimed to you every place that I go, whether it's in a big assembly meeting or it's sitting in your house for dinner, I'm just always talking to you about Jesus, having faith in him, turning away from your old ways and turning to the Lord. You remember that. And that's Paul's beginning of his message. This is exactly what I want you to think about. Re remember me for these things. So let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you tonight for your word to us. How, how amazing as we think about Paul's three years in ministry with, with these brothers and, and being just in that place where he was their pastor and now he's kind of handing off the ball to them. He's calling on them to, to step up. He's been gone for the better part of three months after having been there for three years. He, he doesn't think he'll ever get back. But in the process, he, he comes to these, these leaders and he calls on them but by saying farewell, he, he gives them a charge. He, he tells them of what's coming for him, but, but he also tells them, look, you, you need to now do these things. And, and by the time we get to verse 20, uh, 28, where he said, you take heed to yourself and, and to all of the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, that you, that you shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I, I think they get it. This is God's people. This is, this is God's work. This is his bloodshed. This is life through faith in his son. The heart of a pastor for God's people and for the lost. Thank you, Pastor Jack, for that closing prayer. We've been listening to a study taken from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 21. This has been the second half and conclusion of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jack Abelan. 
If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3077. That's always helpful for us to know the radio station that you're listening to, so be sure to mention those call letters when you get a hold of us. And as we're studying the beginning of the church, how about going all the way back to the beginning of creation? It's always good to see the foundations of our faith in the very first book of the Bible. And here in the month of February, we'd like to offer to you Pastor Jack's teachings through the book of Genesis in the MP3 format on either a single CD or a USB flash drive. Pastor Jack takes us to the account of creation, the flood, and the beginning of God's covenant relationship with man through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you'd like to get Pastor Jack's studies through Genesis in the MP3 format, either on a single CD or a USB flash drive, or to get today's study, just dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. Again, that's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all of our others available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. And that does finish up our time for today. We invite you to plan on joining us next time as we'll continue working our way through the book of Acts. Until then, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, a Calvary Chapel outreach.